when I was looking after my mum, I didn't think I was a carer because I lived in a separate house and because mum had carers that would go in. So I just thought, well, it's, it's my mum, I'm not a carer. Mm-hmm. But actually, there was so many things that would have been great to get advice. If you help to look after a family member or friend who has a disability, long-term condition or an addiction, you are a carer. Carers can get help, you know, and are entitled to rights. If this is you, give the folks at North Lanarkshire Carers together a ring and they'll keep you right. Because carers have to know! Carers together, working for you. We know of you from the telly, but what's your journey to get to the recognition that people like us know you? So how did you get to this point? Well, just really, when I was at school, um, I thought, oh, I'd like to go and sort of do a drama course because I was kind of rotten at everything else. I didn't know. I like dressing up and doing it more. So I did. I went to drama school, then left drama school, and then just got different theatre jobs, different retailing jobs. And then I met Ford and Greg, Jack and Victor. <laughs> and we did other wee shows together. Um, it was a kids' TV show. There was a sketch show. Then I did Tune the Fact for the radio. And then it just kind of came on that they wrote Still Game. And I just had a baby and Greg's wife had come up to the house. And you know what it's like when you've just had a baby. It was hard hard going. I think I was greeting. And Julie went, Jane, it's going to be all right. She went, the boys have written something. They've written you a wee part. I was like, oh, Julie. She went, yeah, you're playing a pensioner. I was like, okay. uh So, and the rest is history. Absolutely, yeah. That's what we're saying. And also we'd seen that you worked with Gregor Fisher as well. So that was that was an early one. And um, when I mentioned that you we were coming to meet you, my son was like, oh, Granny Murray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is that age. That's uh, called is that unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> I know, now you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Did that come but, before? Yeah, that, yeah, 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 it was before me too. Yeah, that was 2007 or something, yeah, wasn't it? Because right. he, he was only little, but he used to just sit and riveted. Well, it was great fun actually doing that. We used to have, it was just beside the Rolls Royce plant in Hillington that we filmed it. Mm-hmm. And it, so they were bringing down the plant. So there used to be loads of rats. So we would have to cut filming because this idyllic, <laughs> beautiful looking cottage of Granny Murray and there'd be a rat at the back door looking in. But no, it was it, that was great fun actually. It was really good. No, that's 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 fantastic. It was it's very much that that's the sort of thing when we were asking that question. I know what my memory of it is, and we we it was like no, that was really exciting when we heard you were going to come we and join us. Used to say that because her husband she'd always talk about her husband, and we used to always imagine that she'd murdered him and he was buried <laughs> under the patio. That's where everything. the rats were coming from. Yeah, that's where the rats were coming <laughs> Back from. Back to the Brookside days again. <laughs> <laughs> so that so that's that's been it's. It's absolutely fantastic. Thanks for that. But it was certainly um, the the fact of the matter is, it's a, it is as I said, it's been quite the journey, and it's good that you got the break from Ford and Greg and 
you've you've now you're now recognised by people though it does I'm assuming come with a curse. Well, it's, it's a it was a wonderful character to play, and I love the boys in the show because we are like a family. You know that we we brought up our kids together. We mm-hmm. you know they kind of came through. We all came through everything together. Really, you yeah. know the kind of journey. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do. I love Must them to be bits. quite emotional, was... think, kind of breaking up the family, breaking up the band, as it were. Yeah. yeah, well, do you know, we said that because, like, rather than having a big dramatic death, we just faded away. Yeah. And that's what happens usually with older people that, you know, you, you would go, oh, do you remember Mrs. McDermott that lived in the street? Go, oh, what happened to her? Mm-hmm. I'm Mrs. Campbell. And it was always. You know, nobody really knew what happened. Did they go into a care home or the hospital? It's just one day uh, they, they faded there. away mm-hmm. and then somebody else lives in the house. And, um, you know, so I think that's what they wanted to reflect, that communities move on, time passes. Oh, and do, yeah. and you mm-hmm. just look back and go, oh, I remember that old guy that worked in the shop in the beach? <laughs> and that woman that cleaned for him, do you mind her? She was dead nosy. <laughs> the whole they used to call people, yeah. yeah. And that kind of leads on, I suppose, to we know from press and different articles that we've read, and and you've been quite public about it, that you were a carer yourself at one stage. So um, our organisation supports carers. We we try and give information and advice, and we do quite a lot of engagement work. So um, we know that you were what's known as a sandwich carer. So that's somebody that's maybe caring for the older generation and the and the younger generation. So your mum and your kids, as we understand. Can you tell us a bit about that and, and maybe let the audience hear about how Jane felt as a carer and how challenging it was for you? Well, I think the thing is, you don't think of yourself as a carer because it was just, it was my mum and dad. So you're looking after your kids, your mum and dad, you're working, you're, you know, that that's just life and so many people are in that that situation you would you would never consider yourself a carer and then I remember um there was this kind of awards thing that we were at and Gavin Mitchell who plays Bobby the Barman and um so he called me up onto stage and he he is so just the most beautiful human being Gavin anyway (laughs) so anyway he said a few nice words and he said Jane who's also a carer and then I was like, Gavin that's a brass neck I'm not a carer I'm all looking after my mum and dad and the kids he's like Jane that is being that a carer. That's the thing. And I think there's a big thing where if you're not paid to be a carer, mm-hmm. if you're still working and you're still, you know, busy in other aspects of your life, you don't think of yourself as a carer. You so what happens is life becomes about, well, you need to earn money for a start and then you need to make sure that your, your parents are okay. So and mum and dad were amazing when my boys were young. They helped me so, so much and they had the kids all the time. They were like Disney parents. They were so cute. <laughs> they were so kind. And like, you know, everybody loved my mum and dad. And so I think, so going from that to then everything started to change and then they started to go down the hill. So mum was 43 and my dad was 48, I think, when I was born. So I'm in my fifties now. So they were at an age where the boys were still young, yeah. but mum and dad were going down the hill. So it was that crossover point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the boys would love it though because my dad got a chair in the house where you press buttons and the chair would go right back. And, then, oh, <laughs> and it was called the yeah. chair of death because it was passed on around so many different households. <laughs> and then the poor soul would die. My and then something. You might not chair. Uh-huh, Uncle Frank's died, and you see, there's a cheer going if you want it for your dad. So, 
poor papa had the cheery death and the kids would sit in it and my dad would be right back, lying right back and they'd put him right up forward and right back. And, <laughs> <laughs> and my dad used to always go, that boy's wild as Heather <laughs> should be demented. So, and they would take them out in the wheelchair and they would fight over who was to push the wheelchair and then one would be in the wheelchair, one was in a, a walkie thing with the wheels. Uh-huh. So it was oh. always chaos. It was the car trying to get the wheelchair and the walker in, trying tuck to... the feet in. Tuck the feet in, your back will be killing oh. you. Um, you know, the boys, I would be like, don't push, don't, slow down. You're going to, Papa's going to come out of the So it was just watching everybody, you know, it, it was chaotic, but it was also great fun. And then my mum did a lot of the care for my dad. And then she kind of started going down the hill. Then my dad had died. And then it was just mum. So it kind of got to a point where they did both of carers. Then mum had carers coming in. It was once a day, twice a day. Then by the end, it was four times a day. Uh-huh. So like in my head, they were the carers. Yes. So, yes. I, you know, and I, they were the best carers ever. I mean, they were amazing. The, every single one of them. My mum loved them. They loved my mum. Oh, I mean, they would yeah. visit her on their days off and stuff. It was... It was just, you know, they would take presents up to her. They would visit her in hospital. A girl that I did a baby years ago still would regularly come. So my mum was close to the wee girl. I mean, they were really amazing. So they were the carers. But you were still talking to them nearly every day. Mm-hmm. You were still taking messages in. You were still going up and down every day. Mm-hmm. Um, So it, it did, there was a point, I kind of feel, where it did get to a place where I thought, oh, I don't know how much longer I can sustain doing this. Yes. Because because I was an only child, it was all the hospital appointments, it was all the doctors. Then it was like, Mum go, oh, I broke my glasses. I go, oh, no. And then she was always, she'd, she fell and smashed her front teeth. And it was a real shame because my mum and dad really looked after their teeth. And she was in her 90s and she still had her own teeth. And then she'd get she a plate. Oh, no. She was always losing the plate. Uh-huh. You'd find it down the back of the fridge. Or you'd find it, I don't... I'm resonating with so many of these oh. stories right now. <laughs> well, we found it once, the boys. She had a packet of Doritos. And they were wrapped in an elastic band in our drawer in the kitchen. Oh, and the boys were eating the Doritos <laughs> and they found the plate, the key. Well, that was it. We would never eat anything that was opened in our house again. They were repulsed. So. I've, I've had to retrieve a set of retainers from a, a cage at Five Sisters Zoo. So I know, I know your pain is where they got dropped out of a child's pocket. So yeah, I, I can live that side of it. Yeah. So. Well, I love my, my braces when I was getting off with somebody in the walls. There's no growth in 1984. Oh, no. Yeah. Because I took them out, put my pocket to go off with them and then lost them in the back of the wall. So then my mum and dad were going to kill me. So, yes, I can kind of sympathise with her, look, constantly losing her teeth. But, um, yeah, so I think it, I think if I had known there was somewhere that you could contact, yes. that you could actually get some help and some advice, yeah. you... The, the rule is to get carers allowance it's 35 hours a week or more now at the time when I was working I, I certainly wasn't doing that mm-hmm. later on with Covid then it became that mm-hmm. but at, at the time when I was working the boys were younger it wasn't so you, you weren't entitled to anything you you didn't feel that you were when um, mum was brought out of hospital I was given an emergency social work number and she was put on a waiting list to go to this Henry Healy Centre and that was for like one day a week well two years three years passed we and never got a call still and I used to phone up and I say but I think we're on the emergency list and it was like yeah, yeah. it's, it's you know, still the, the delay it's still yeah. yeah 
And that's where a lot of carers, they really don't realise that they can go to a carer's organisation and find out the information and advice and see if you are on that list for the best part of two years, you know, there's normally an advocate, you know, an advocacy worker that will take that role on for you and will actually phone social work on your behalf and be your voice because you're maybe at the stage where you're so emotional and so stressed and dealing with the boys and dealing with your mum and dealing with your work and you really don't you just don't have anything left to, to sort of pick up the phone and say, That's, I can't do this anymore. It's part of our job is to do that emotional. You, you put that triage plaster we over do. before you pass them on to people. And it's quite, it's, I, I, I don't do it as much as Tracy does, but it is really very eye-opening when you speak to people and go, you really are yeah. very much at crisis point here. Yeah. This is really interesting that it's taken to now for someone to recommend that part. And as you said, you didn't know anything about it at all. So no. the fact that that's happened as well is is a failing on whomsoever uh, was meant to assist you. Yeah. Early and intervention so, is everything, and that's what we try our best to do, is to get somebody when they first realise that they are in a caring role. We don't want them to get to crisis point. We don't want them to have to phone us and be so upset on the phone that they just can't take it anymore. If we can put in the tools at the beginning to make them be supported in their caring role, whether that be some respite, some work from... Um, some some um, support from a social worker, anybody that can put some support in place is really helpful. Well, what you were saying, Tracy, I didn't know this because I was told, well, like, my dad went and took you home for two weeks when my mum was in getting a hip replacement yeah. and then because she'd been caring for him. Mm-hmm. So that was fine. But when I'd said about a holiday, could could mum go into care for like even five days? Because yeah. mm-hmm. even like, the, although the carers were amazing, they still phoned me a lot and I was still there every day. So. It's- who who's going to pick up the pieces? What if she has a fall? Who, who do they the phone? Mm-hmm. And I was told because I didn't live with mum, mm-hmm. she didn't qualify for that respite. You've just said to me, I, that's that's, that's not, not true. Organisations will no. will they have funds set aside? There are funds given by the Scottish government for people to achieve respite, whichever that may be. It could be breaks. It could be equipment to take you out of that. You know, go and have an iPad and sit and read for a couple of hours. It could be one of the ones from one of the places I used to work was someone about garden equipment. So they could go outside and take a break, just leave their kid and roll in the house, we'd go and sit in the back, things like that, and gardening courses and, yeah, and yoga in the house. I so even things like that work yeah, for folk. Yeah, they really do. It gives you that wee bit of space just I to know. breathe. And, and the local you know, authority would, at, at that stage when you are at you know crisis point, is it where they should do an adult care support plan and there should be the avenues put in place to get you self-directed support budget so when you're saying that you didn't qualify for mum to go into a care home we actually think that could be untrue we actually mm-hmm. think that you know if the right if it is the right place for mum and it is the right care for mum and Jane needs a break absolutely you need to take a step away from your care and role then there should be some money there for mum to be able to go into a care home and if only you had known that at the time yeah, you know right. and, 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 feel, yeah. and, also and you feel so, so guilty about even yeah. thinking that but but yeah you know, realistically, your batteries are only going to last forever. And you've got to balance it out with, like, the kids need to have fun and go and do stuff yeah. as well. So, you know, it's it's not even, it is about yourself, but it's also about, well, you need to, that family time, but it's not about all the time, oh, I need to go to Grand. Now, having said that, uh-huh. I know that there's so many people who do so much more than I did. And, you know, they've maybe got somebody in the house with them or... Yes. And I completely, I wouldn't even compare my situation for a second to those folk who have got it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, never for a minute. And I really wouldn't because even though it's stressful to go to work, I remember oh, you'd be, 
I'd be doing the panto and then, you know, you would be rushing home or mum would be in the hospital or something. You'd <laughs> yeah. be going to the hospital, you then going home, then make the tea, then going back to the hospital. But, but that said, still when I'm at work, I did feel like I was having a break because yeah. you could still be you at work yeah. and you could still, you know, I'd be having fun. And, you know, work is great because you would get a lunch break and things. So <laughs> actually for people who, who can't work, who are full-time carers and that is their role all the time, that is so 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 much harder and I need to say that I'm not I really wouldn't ever compare myself to people who are doing it all the time because I can't even imagine how they cope with that it's so hard I think even like you know during the pandemic and and still at the moment we we have so many carers that their services are still not up and running Uh um and they are still with that person that you're speaking about and in in the home um and probably the fear is in them now that they don't ever want to either receive those services again or they're still feeling a bit reluctant to leave the house so we can see this sort of mental health crisis that's 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 upon us Mm -hmm. and and we're so um conscious of asking carers to to self-care to spend that um even 10 minutes meditation per day to to look after themselves and and we know that they don't think that they have that 10 minutes per day because they're working they're caring you know and 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 when you maybe do have that, that service back again you can spend your day off and I'm doing quotes here and I'm forgetting there's no camera because I'm on. <laughs> yeah. um, you spend your day off on the phone doing all the admin for hospital appointments, ordering prescriptions, ordering pads, all these kind of things. Uh-huh. So it can be so difficult. Um, and wonder what your thoughts around that were as well, you know, the sort of mental health side of things, you know, post-pandemic. Well, I think there's there's two things to it. Firstly, that so many services have stopped and haven't started again. Yeah. And I, I think... Well, there's, there's two big things, like with me with mum, like at the start of COVID, and, and this is still going on, that the carers just aren't available. So, you know, you're being asked by authorities, can you pick up the pieces? Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Could neighbours step in? Could friends step in? What else can be done? Now, that is nothing to do with the carers who have worked flat out through this whole pandemic on the front line. Absolutely. And they, they have been on their knees and mm-hmm. still are. Mm-hmm. But... If you're also been asked, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Which I was, which when I did say when I wasn't working, because there was lots of times I wasn't working through the whole pandemic, you know, a lot of it because work was cancelled, then I could step in. But what if you couldn't? What if you were doing a job where you just couldn't? Uh-huh. Or even now, I know my friend the other day was asked, can she do more? Can her and her sister who are working full time, what else can they do because they're so short in carers? And could they ask anyone to help? So there's that big part of it. Then there's a part of it with confidence, where people have lost their confidence, um, especially, you know, elderly not wanting to go out. They don't want to be out. That's it. And they're scared. So there's this whole thing, we've been terrified of COVID, and that's been fed to us every day in the media. And then you're saying to people, that's fine now, just go out, go (laughs) out and about, just just start getting on with it. Wash your hands, you're That's it, off you go. So... So carers are also terrified that because the world's opening up, mm-hmm. they're then going to bring something into somebody who's vulnerable in the house. Mm-hmm. So it's this horrible situation where there's fear what mm-hmm. they're going to bring in. There's also the isolation. There's yeah. also the fact that they've had no respite, that the fact that somebody who's maybe gone to somewhere like the Henry Haley or whatever mm-hmm. club there would be, that's all been stopped. So they've had the responsibility of that all the time.
obviously start back up full time, maybe because of the fear of infecting someone vulnerable or immunocompromised, and they then they'll hold back on it, which again adds to the problem, exacerbates everything because they, they, they get trapped again going, I could do this, but I won't do this. So uh-huh. I see that too. Yeah, so you, you feel completely stuck. And I think, um, you know, even with schools, because I, I teach as well in an ESN school, um, and I, like for those kids, all their clubs were stopped. And then it, it, it's hard for any teacher trying to do learning online. But if, if in your house you have... In maybe one child with additional support needs or two or, or more, mm-hmm. which is quite often the case, then how do you support and work and support all those children? Mm-hmm. And you might not even have internet in the house. Authorities were quite good at helping with that. Mm-hmm. But you still need to really give one-to-one support for that child who a lot of the time they don't associate learning at home with doing schoolwork. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to do that. It, it was really, I know for a lot of those kids, it was really, really difficult, and for the parents and for the teachers. No, I'm, I'm aware of that. That happened with my son, Tracy knows that background, that he is on, he's autistic and he struggled very deeply with getting that distinction of this is still schoolwork, you uh-huh. still need to do this. And he was in fourth year at the time, so he was obviously had exams and stuff and really was he just, he didn't get it till they went back in and it started to pick up and it was just like, have you done any work? I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, and okay. mum and dad are there and the teachers, I mean, you and your wife are both working full time, so mm. how are you then mm. supposed to pick 60 up hours a week at that point yeah. as well. So, um, teacher, dad, mum. I'm rubbish at things like that. I'm not <laughs> and patient enough to be a teacher. <laughs> no, it is really hard. I've, uh, one of our kids are dyslexic. The youngest one is extremely dyslexic. I mean, really, really... Uh, probably on the scale of one to ten <laughs> he's a ten and uh, so when mum was really ill and it was at that point where he was supposed to be studying and teachers doing their absolute best again you know he's at the school I've tried really they've been fantastic That's and but they're sending home tons of stuff for him to read he can't read that. It, he there is no way that he could read screens and screens and screens, small print, tons of stuff, big booklets. The words it, don't work for him. Words, so it's just he can't read it. He can't process it. It's all too much. And he's a lazy wee monkey. Let's be honest. Well, they are. You know, of course. And so, mum. Uh-huh. Mum, mum, I don't even mom, know what that is. Mum, I, I can't even get that iPad to work. Yeah. The iPad. It's like I hate, I hate iPads. I mean, Alec, you're never off the iPad. Like, yeah, yeah, to watch films. But I mean, I can't get this to work, and it, that won't send to the teacher. And I, I tried to save that, and it won't save. And then I tried to open this, and it won't open. So there's all that going on. So you feel like I can't support you because I need to be with mum because things uh-huh. are so bad. Of um, but who's there to, to give him that support in the house? So. You know, it it was hard, and that was through exams. It spills into and personal life again. The, the time that you would normally have had when he'd been educated at school, getting all the stuff that would have worked for him at school, using the taxis they use at school. But you have to then at seven o'clock after dinner go right, oh, we'll sit down and have a look at this for you. Yeah, let's read this. Yeah, let's try maths, and go through a little yeah. English. Let's do that. Yeah, and it, 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 I can understand it if everybody's too tired. Let's face it. Well, yeah, we were doing. Well, I wasn't doing it. My wife was doing maths with my son on Sunday. Because it's coming up for exams time, obviously for for hires and things like that, and he's he's just like I don't really know what I'm doing with this. So Saturday, Sunday afternoon, I we I sit at the dining table doing the square of a pyramid or whatever it was, but that kind of reinforcing this is the need to do. Um, and so I I can understand that certainly that you're you're struggling 
to get the concepts working because we don't know how the teachers teach and we don't know the no, concepts they give. No, you don't. You're, 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 not, you're not a maths teacher, are you? No. <laughs> and the teacher said how much as it was great they were all given iPads and stuff. That's that is great. But it doesn't work for everybody. No, I know. So if you're severely dyslexic, for him to do it through an iPad it was just so so that, that was so hard. And what the teachers they were given laptops and for some of the kids a laptop would have been a better thing. Yes. But to try to do it and open the the different forums that he had to open and all that, it just it, it, it didn't work. It mm-hmm. didn't work. Did you see a lot of parents? Um when you obviously you're in an ESN school. So did you see a lot of parents maybe having the same issues when it came to when it came to come maybe moving back into school? Did you see them? Well, I haven't I haven't spoken to the parents because I've not had any contact f- like face-to-face with the parents. So is it still all online as well? Well, but to be honest, because I'm in the school of supply and I go in and out. Right, so, okay. So like... Oh. I went in yesterday and I had six-year-olds. I went in on Friday and I had Gosh. like 16 to 18-year-olds. So it, it, it depends on your connection. You know, it's very varied. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's difficult for you as well to balance, Jane. That's, that's well, I'd rather have the teenagers, one. to be honest. We're all their bother. The teenagers. Are more relatable? Yes, yes, yes. I think the V1s are gorgeous and they're very good, but um, I don't think I'm as good with them. <laughs> no, I'm just, I kind of look at them like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? They just give you're, the teenagers. You're so far removed from it as well. You, you forget how little ones operate. I know, uh, I know. That's right. Um, yeah. so, so that's yeah, the, yeah. but that's certainly so. In terms of the the school and things like that, what do you think? The you said that all the clubs and stuff. So, so are the provisions for ESN kids still as poor as they were during the pandemic, or are they starting to pick up for your school or they're and, starting and to, about? They're starting to pick up, mm-hmm. but um, again, there's the there's it been out of the routine of that. There's a lot of them haven't picked up we yet. Mm-hmm. A lot of them haven't. A lot of wee things have gone under as well from the whole pandemic. Yes. And again, it's like getting the kids to want to go, to uh-huh. want to engage with that again, can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you drove the engagement, the engagement away, and you know, you have to drive it again, but they've got out of the habit of uh-huh. it. So you're trying to reinstill that habit. that place within that small club or environment that you've maybe been going along to a couple of evenings a week, your place is gone because the services are so limited. So, uh-huh. you know, that's kind of what we hear a lot from carers as well, that my son did have a place, but he wasn't engaging anymore. Therefore, his place is now gone. So we're back to no services and, <laughs> and back to having that whole struggle at home where it's just you and your child and, and trying to do the, the support and things. And obviously adults as well. You know, there's a lot of adults out there with additional support needs their services have completely stopped yeah, altogether absolutely. so that's down to yeah. a lot of people left residential because there was no carers no services a lot of people left residential and went back to live um with their parents and some of their parents could be in their 60s or their 70s at the time and mm-hmm. and then they're back to full-time carers and um or you couldn't just, visit your child or yes. your elderly parent in a care home well, that, that was, was horrendous choice. or the hospital yeah. the hospital were really good actually when my mum was in for a while she stopped she went on hunger strike. Oh, good grief. I know. <laughs> she had delirium, but she went on hunger strike. So they said to me, look, please come in, because she just, we can't get her to eat. And I used to bring her in her favourite things and say to her, mum, don't eat that. You mustn't eat that, because remember, you're on hunger strike, so you must not eat that. Did you reverse and then psychology? I would, yes. Oh, nice. And then I would say, mum, I'm going to go to talk to the nurse. Good I'm going job. to the toilet. I'll be back in five minutes. And I would commit back. She would have eaten it. God. And I would just wouldn't mention it and would just carry on. <laughs> That's... But that's good to let you know because I know so many people did, were strictly kept out no matter yeah. what the circumstances and, were. Mm-hmm. So that's actually fantastic yeah, they to put hear. put her in a wee room and it was just, you had to wear the full shebang mm-hmm. yeah. and just literally go in the room and go out. But she she just literally wouldn't eat. But, you know, 
she they used to like for the first kind of couple of weeks we'd be doing the odd video call and things with her and she was so angry because you know she was she didn't have dementia as such but there was cognitive decline and there was you know elderly she was elderly and pale and muddled and then the delirium started um and you know she was so you know and and we were so lucky because she did die at home but for people who couldn't be with their parents or their child or whoever and who maybe they, they were confused as to why the, yes. like their family weren't with them, oh, I couldn't even imagine that. It's horrendous. What we're trying to say to people at the moment as well, I think a few of the hospitals have now maybe relaxed the rules a bit, but if you are an essential carer and you know that you could, what you've just suggested, mm-hmm. you know, what you've just said about mum, you could get her to eat if you reverse psychology there mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and sort of walked mm-hmm. away you you were the one that could persuade her to eat more than what one of the auxiliaries or one of the, the nurses can do so we're saying to carers actually put yourself down as the essential carer say to the nurse I must get in you know I, I, I well, their well-being. Is, is really difficult mm-hmm. but you know there's only certain people that can coax somebody into eating and drinking mm-hmm. and the only thing that makes you better and gets you out of that hospital ward is eat, sleep and drink yeah. so if somebody's not doing that they're not going to get better and we see a lot of issues with hospital discharge and things just now where people are not getting out of the hospital because they're not getting this sort of they're not being coaxed into eating and drinking and and they're obviously not going to get out of hospital if, if that's the case and then it's going back to the hospital asking well can you put in the additional care for it? you know they're medically fit your mum's medically fit to leave the ward can you put in a bit of additional care until we can provide a care at home service and people are saying yes because they want their loved one home more than anything and then it's five and six and seven weeks down the line they're still doing it and then they're phoning us distressed i can't do this anymore please help please help Mm. and beds that are too short that was one of the ones we've experienced is someone supplied with a bed that was too short for the person to sleep on yeah (laughs) and they needed adaptation the emotional support that we're providing just now is it's at the highest that level i've ever i've been working with carers for 17 years and this is the highest level of emotional support i've ever had to provide and there are times where i just feel as if i've not done anything for somebody because i used to be able to pick up the phone and get a tuck in at night i could quite easily get a wee bit of respite for someone i could get a grant for someone you know there's sometimes where days where you felt right ticked all those boxes did an amazing job for that carer and she they felt listened to but at the moment we're just feeling well actually is emotional support enough because we're really not doing that much and to them I know it is a lot that they've been listened to but for us as care support workers we're at the stage where we're like we've banged on so many doors but we're just not getting anywhere so and I think as well the problem is because of Covid people were told it's one because it was a tiny bubble so if it's brothers and sisters mm-hmm. which I didn't I don't have but you know that could cause a lot of trouble who's that person mm-hmm. who's the daughter or the son that goes in and then they can cause trouble of oh yeah well it's got to be them or why has it got to be you or what? Yeah. so I know families that have fallen out because of it's one person uh-huh. and then when it's just you yeah. to do everything that's really hard as well because like see when yeah. I would visit mum I would put a rota together so I would, I would get all the troops and everybody was great and I'd say look could you do a Wednesday afternoon could you maybe do a Friday morning or could you do whatever so that 
I could go up at night, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't have to do it twice a day. If I was working, I could just go up at night. Mm -hmm. But then you would feel that you would have to go up twice a day. And then sometimes because you can stay longer, you didn't want to leave them. So your entire life was every day going back and forward. Go and see mum, go and see There's mom. nobody to pick up the people. Mm -hmm. Although when, I must say, in the summer, so that would have been... Um, uh, so the 2020 summer when everything was all kind of kicking off mm -hmm. with the COVID. You've mixed up the dates now, don't you? I, know, I don't even, even notice. Run into at, some at some point in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so I remember my like, friends were good at going down to visit and if it was a nice day, I'd bring her out in the wheelchair, put her in her path they would just sit in the grass and they would talk to us. Nice. So that was fabulous. Yeah, that's nice. That was good news. Good fun for me as well, because at least you could have a bit of banter and a bit of chat. And your mum could never remember why. She couldn't understand why they weren't coming in. She kept coming in. I go, no, no, mum, we need, do you need to sit out? <laughs> she was bamboozled. That's all you could do was sit in the grass. They would do nothing else. They would do nothing. So my friend Karen had come down and uh, so she was in the garden. And then about three or four days after that, she phoned my mum to see how she was getting on. So my mum, said is that you Karen yes it's me oh I had Karen Logan visiting me in the garden the other day so mum went Karen went it is Karen it is Karen Jean yes Marion so it's mind it it's Karen oh, no. yes oh, no. Marion so Karen came down well Margaret Robertson saw her and she was in a bikini in my front garden. So Karen's <laughs> so going no no Jean, Jean it is me it is me and then she says well Jean says that she got married recently Karen's going Yes, that's right. Well, he's a lot older than her. And she went, it is Karen, Jean. It's Karen. God. Yes, I think I think he's 20 years older. But he's a very nice oh, man. A uh -huh. He's a very you nice see your man. Face, couldn't you? He's a big man, but he's happy. <laughs> so we got him a T-shirt for his birthday saying big but happy. So I know, I know. And Karen's like, should I have thought, oh no, oh here, what's this we're getting? What are we going to get this? But uh, That's, yes, so it was good that people the, would go the, and visit. The experience at least was pleasant-ish. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I would always use the ish for that, that qualifier. Yes, yes. You yes. could say pleasant. Nice to spend time, more time with your family. And, I, and I, I was on this side of the world and my brother is, lives in Australia, so I was here with my parents on my own. So I, I loved the time and I would never, ever give it up. Mm -hmm. um, but it was at the same time exhausting, so... Yeah. I know. And, and bear in mind that by, obviously by my father-in-law was ill, through this and my sister in law was it was of course. it still Everybody. is but it's like you're going ah right and, and my wife can't really we couldn't see anyone at the, the points so you're thinking how are they going to be sitting on their own not being able to see anyone because they're immunocompromised or they're getting through surgery and you're thinking we want to come and see you but we can't mm -hmm. so but you're like let's see you're listening on a tiny wee screen and, and, I know, for 10 and a lot minutes. of people can use like my mum couldn't use an iPad or anything no, no, on her own or no, any, any of that there, there no, is a no, technology no. gap so yeah. absolutely so well, we just made the decision like with you know me and the boys were just going to go to my mum's and, and we would just you know we would I just do that I called it the COVID mm -hmm. corner I sat in the quarantine corner well that's yeah. it you wear a mask but you know if it'd been like so my mum had died so in the January of last year mm -hmm. If she had had a whole year of never seeing the boys, that would have been a misery. That would have been awful. An yeah. absolute misery. She was so close. And we've got great like video stuff and great times where they were, you know, because they were off college and school and things. And mum said, you know, we played games for hours. We played videos. We played, you know. So the, the time that they spent with her and the time that I spent with her and then again towards the end, you know, the panto was cancelled. That 
all the burns, all the work that I would do in January was all cancelled. So actually, the only positive thing about COVID is she did get to spend so yeah. much time with us mm -hmm. and at the end and be with her where we would have been probably quite yes. busy and that would have been more difficult. So I, I guess the, the, that was positive. Yeah, I can't think of many things that have been positive. It's but a low-level positive in all yeah. the, the, all the scheme of it. But there is those memories mm -hmm. yeah. close as well, Jane. And you those did get to see them. Because that's, that's really important. And thank you so much for, for no. being so open and honest yeah, about everything today. <laughs> I think we wanted to just let Alan, we were going to ask... <laughs> What do you do to relax at the end of a busy day if you uh -huh. ever get any gentle? <laughs> that was that was the one that was the first question we came up with. By the way, it's like, so what does she do in her downtime? None of none of the caring questions. Well, do you know I know because it's easier now because well, you know, mum isn't here now and the boys are a bit older, so life. Do, do you get is to do your own much thing? Much easier. So yes, um, I just like every, to be honest, in the recent months, not much. <laughs> That's what can you do? Um, Netflix. Everything on. Netflix. No, no Netflix left. I no, know. there's no Netflix left. Uh, so I just what everybody else does. Just, really. just feet up and sit down and go. That's the end of that for the day. A cup well, of tea. I'm not good at sitting down at night. Uh, that's when I like to be busy. Oh, right. So I like to Dishwasher. kind of bunny about <laughs> and do all my stuff at night. Oh, you know, it's then, midnight. Yeah, and yeah. Or, or I'm talking to somebody on the phone, <laughs> or I'm, you know, you can go around to somebody's house. They come to yours. So, but I, I am looking forward to getting out and about more again. Yes, and, that's and doing that's going things. to be the advantage. And and Just will you be weird? Will you find that quite weird? Be like weirded out by no masks and people being in this? Because I know that I will initially be a little bit. I... When I'm close to people, um, will you feel like that? Or are you looking forward I, I, to it? A lot of people are really excited about it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not really bothered about the no mask thing. I think if people still feel comfortable wearing them, that's great. Just keep wearing them. Mm -hmm. um, again, because I still go into Mrs. Robertson, who's in her 90s, and, you know, you, you, my friends get ME and things. So, I, yeah, I would be careful in respect. Uh -huh. I would try to be careful, but no, I, I'm quite looking forward to feeling a wee bit free again. Yeah, we have to be have to be mindful of those that are still busy. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think they? that's the thing to that, respect. That's going to be the thing feel... as well, isn't it? Working with people and understanding because shielding. you know yourself having had that, having to explain your caring role to people, and like, no, it's quite difficult to. I'm, I'm kind of digressing here, but what we're saying is that you're basically saying, look, I have, I understand what you're doing. Yeah. So I'm going to live with that, whereas a lot of people would just go, why are you still doing that? Yeah. And it's, it's getting that level of understanding. No, I think just, everybody's circumstances are different. Yeah, and I, it I can, went a bit around the houses there. Yeah, but, yeah. but it is still a serious thing for lots of people. At the same time, so many people have lost their business now mm -hmm. through this and gone, you know, everything they've worked for their whole lives has gone under. So, like, you know... Well, well, I was working in Putlockery over the summer and it was outside and it was it was so safe and it was, it was fantastic. And I absolutely loved it, but... And then I loved doing panto and then that got shut down early and that was yeah. indoors. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to being able to go into a show and doing things like that again. Yeah, um, I love a packed theatre. There's something great yeah, about yeah. going to that. Yeah, 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 because yeah. you, you can't not have that forever, but I understand that that's not for everybody just now. Yeah, no, I understand that. It was, mm -hmm. to, it was the, the same thing with one of my memories for today was us being at the Lion King in Edinburgh two years ago yeah. and you're like, oh, that was magic. To get out. Do, do you remember just like people sitting? and rubbing up and walking past you I and know. things and it was yeah. that, that kind of joy and I will say even things like like this this is the first time I've done panto that, that year past where I've not had a horrible stinking cold I always get a horrible sore throat <laughs> of a cold and not had a all my memories are all about having man flu every well, single one of them 
But at this time of the year, this time so of the year, sure you probably you, you probably uh, haven't I, had anything. I, so people go, oh, masks don't work. Well, I beg to differ because the that's the first the time. Flu numbers are. I'm not cuddling like anybody ever again. <laughs> I don't like people anyway, so it's great. I know you don't. <laughs> Even my own family. Uh, no, it's, I know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a cuddly person, actually. No, I don't. I'm Chrissy. You are, Chrissy. You're not cuddly. Yeah, we are quite like that in the house, but it, it's always at inappropriate times when you're sitting, like, trying to concentrate. And, like, my oldest son, he's taller than me, and just comes in and goes... I wouldn't lean on you. <laughs> no, but um, no, I, 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 thanks for thanks for the honesty with it as well, because we, we do appreciate that it's it's hard work coming and speaking to people you never met before because we're living. It's quite raw as and, well because mum's only gone a, a year, so it's quite raw. So thank you so much. No, no, it's a pleasure. And I, I wish that there was things that I wish that I had known and, and the, the things that are available. So the more that gets put out, the better. And Annie, the more support that people can get, then yeah. absolutely. Let's raise care awareness as raise much as we can. Raise care awareness. And thank you so much for thank your help you. in doing that. No, it's a wee bit called Daniel's Debbie McGee. <laughs> <laughs> that is magic. <laughs> I don't think I've ever I do the worst called Daniel's I'm not doing it because my wife would be like not again just do it Alan <laughs> no I can't you do it and that's the end of it <laughs> no I'm not going to cut the ball then <laughs> I'm sorry if you help to look after a family member or friend who has a disability long term condition or an addiction you are a carer carers can get help you know and are entitled to rights if this is you Give the folks at North Lanarkshire Carers together a ring and they'll keep you right. Because carers have to know! <laughs>